from the Mac Observer. It's our weekly look at the world of digital media and Apple's place within it. And I'm delighted to welcome back to the show once again, Mick Wright, Substack writer, media critic. Welcome back to the show, Mick. Hello. Good to be here. Happy New Year. Are we still doing that? I guess. Is that I guess a, you can do it no, throughout the, January. No, I'm banning it. It's, the 18, it's after the first week of January. It's the 18th of January. I mean, I say prior to my, I I think it's any time in January when you haven't talked to someone yet, you can do it up until, yeah, that's, that's my rule. Well, I'm not going to wish you happy new year. I'm going to wish you a happy birthday for next week. And we'll, we'll move on from there. I think, I think that's more appropriate. Um, We're going to go very meta again today, which I always enjoy doing on this show because we're going to podcast about podcasts and I always enjoy doing this and I've done it with a few different people. Um, But what, what we would, kind of mooting what we wanted to to discuss on the show and there were lots of different th- kind of topics floating around but one that really stuck up stuck out to you uh, was a piece by Lucas Shaw on Bloomberg you know came out a couple of weeks ago now um, and his take was that there have been no new podcasting hits for a long time uh, the average podcast in the top 10 is more than seven years old uh, he says at the top of his piece Now, obviously, I'm deeply offended because I would consider this show an absolute mega hit. But his point was that it's things that the things that you used to listen to are still the things you listen to. And they're still the things that dominate the podcast charts. So we're talking the Joe Rogan experience, This American Life, Stuff You Should Know. Um, And he says even a few of podcasts in the top 50, things like Smart List, the Michelle Obama podcast and Frenemies are less than two years old and nothing in the top 25, and none of them are in the top 25. So I, I don't know about you, Mick, but for me, my introduction to podcasting in lots of ways was serial, as I think it was for lots of people. That was the first thing where it was like, okay, podcast, you know, podcasting isn't just a couple of friends talking through a microphone, although that's perfectly legitimate and can be very entertaining. This is a really serious form of media that I now really want to take out time and commit to what was your kind of intro to the world of podcasting oddly enough it was quite a long time before that um I when I was uh, working at Stuff Magazine in um in 2007 um there was a a guy who used to come in and do sub subbing for us and he he recommended this podcast called um keith and the girl to me which started in 2005 and is still going so uh that was kind of my the first podcast i listened to in uh, on the regular and, and still do listen to fairly well now so i guess that fits with the bloomberg thing about yes, uh, yeah. how you stick with shows that you've um listened to for a long time uh that said, I listen to a lot, but I think uh, people who work from home and people who are uh, people who are journalists or writers maybe are outliers in this because you know you've maybe got more headphone time than people in some other jobs as well. You know, because you're at a desk typing a lot of the time. So, so uh, a couple of things there. First of all, I'd like to point out that obviously Mick is loads older than me, and therefore that's why he was picking up shows like that earlier. Obviously, he's orders of magnitude older than me <laughs> um but and actually i'm probably being slightly disingenuous because i did listen to tech podcasts and things like that that was starting to become part of it and you know youtube type shows as well which i think is an offshoot of the podcasting genre although perhaps they'd all try and protect their territory quite fierce fiercely um but i think your point about headphone time is an interesting one so pre-pandemic 
my headphone time was very much on the tube in London, traveling around London. I would always have noise cancelling headphones on and have something to listen to. Um, that was that was my time. There would be, you know, I knew what show I'd listen to on my Monday journey. There'd be a different show for a different day. You know, uh, it was very much that was the time assigned to it. And that's clearly changed over the last two years um, now. But I'll listen to podcasts if I go for a walk by myself. Um Actually, and the other t- podcast time for me was in the gym often. And obviously that's changed as well. But I actually, I do listen to podcasts at home. Normally, particularly now that I've got some HomePod minis, so you can actually listen to them from your phone quite easily. And all that's quite a nice setup. But actually, I can't, I personally can't listen to podcasts when I'm writing. I can't write and listen to spoken word, really. Are you, you're my, but hang on, Mick, you're 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 a guy, you can't multitask. Well, yeah. I think how I think can you, you listen to spoken word and write, Mick? Uh, well, it depends. It, it depends on it depends on the day. Like sometimes I can't. <laughs> sometimes I just have to put music on. But um, yeah. I do, and also and also I'm. I think it's probably less when writing and more when doing the kind of craft type tasks that um, mm. accumulate around being um, <laughs> like say uh, you know. Um, Don't reveal uh, our secrets. Like design, like design, t- like you know, when you're putting together images or whatever, or. or you know um answering emails or whatever it's a lot or you know or making invoices yes. things that are not things that are not uh you know creatively taxing um but yeah i listen to them a lot around the house as well but i mean i guess what i mean is if you're someone who works from home or you're someone who who um you know has a kind of very desk-based job or there can be more um headphone time available or you yeah. know, audio time available to you um and uh, yeah, because I don't, I rarely talk to colleagues in person <laughs> um, at the Mick moment. Mick tries to avoid other human life. It's fine. Yes, that's that's the theory. Uh, but I think it is interesting. The notion of, I mean, I guess the thing with this Bloomberg piece, and I think it's a really good piece, and it is an interesting, mm. you know, it's a, it's an interesting point to bring up. But the question is, what you just define as a hit, and what you define as. Uh, you know a successful audience for a mm. podcast so for instance you know i am uh you know fairly more to the left of you and i would listen to quite a lot of kind of leftist podcasts in the uk that are quite successful in their own right stuff like you know trash future which has had a number of other podcasts spin off from it they you know you those guys that's their job doing that podcast is largely their job so i guess on there um they would see that as a success but yep. where it comes in podcast charts it's i think it's almost we're in a it kind of in the world of um you know uh how it would have been back when charts mattered a lot more for music where you say okay uh these are these are big hit records but what about all the you know indie bands who used to be able to you know tour and make a living and i think it feels to me almost like the podcast world is a little bit like that like there are a lot of smaller outfits that do very well for themselves with a within know, their own kind of limited criteria. but committed audience yes. you know and, um, and also within the kind of aims and hopes that, that they have for their show if it yeah. if your show is self-sustaining and lets you live a nice life that's a you don't have to be joe rogan no and I'm, I'm not sure how many people would want to be joe rogan in many ways <laughs> well, when you see the bank balance yeah yeah but it's um I, I, but then more broadly, if you look at it structurally, I think what's interesting is 
I, I, when you've got players like like Apple, Amazon, obviously Spotify really streaking ahead in terms of this desire to bring things in um, as exclusives. And even in the UK, you know, the BBC, which is a, 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 bit, a sort of a big beast in the in the UK um, so, yeah. content environment. I, I think it's it's changed um, the way people look at podcasting slightly and what you would consider hits. It, it, I think it, it causes um, it, it can reduce the amount of diversity in in what surf what rises to the surface because you know, these things are existing within these walled content gardens in the same way that, you know, TV, uh, you know, production has where it's it's been pulled into these different streaming services. Increasingly, the hits exist as an exclusive to a certain platform, whether it's Spotify or Wondery or Apple. Um, that, you know, that changes the way people look at things as well, because obviously um, how people were discovering podcasts was much less uh, it was much, curated. It was much more- Yes, it was very organic previously, previously wasn't yeah. it? So there's a couple of things that we should unpack. And I want to throw a really interesting stat at you. So first of all, you mentioned Wondery. That's owned by Amazon. We've obviously got Spotify. There's other big players, SiriusXM and iHeartMedia. And they've all put a vast amount of money into podcasts, including Spotify paying a mere $500 million for three podcast studios. Um and apparently, Spotify has more than 3 million podcasts now. That's up from a few hundred um, not that long ago. Um, so there's a lot more podcasts out there. Surely that's a good thing. You know, you can discover more things to your taste. More people have a go to create stuff. I mean, so I know f- for me, an achievement on this show, I was really excited when we got to a year because I know that's a big milestone for a podcast to actually get over the line and keep people listening for a year and I was really pleased about that as a sort of measure of success um you know if just because they're you know so there are these three million podcasts just on Spotify alone how many we don't know how many of them are regularly updated people are still producing them or whatever but surely that diversity of voices is broadly a good thing your concern is that they're not coming you know what gets to the top is not particularly wide-ranging well, I think I think when you've got a if if the platform is 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 the producer, then the platform's interests are in uh, promoting its its the things that are its exclusives, right? So that will that will end up with this kind of dominance of these existing, you know big name podcasts. Of course, yeah, you could uh, uh, the, the the let ten thousand flowers bloom. Um, idea is 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 always great in theory but in practice yeah uh, it, it, of course it's going to become increasingly harder to break through if um you know it's it's a place largely for superstars you know and and celebrities and i guess one of the things that was interesting about podcasts as a as a notionally in was almost like this as a, 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 a opening the access to creating this audio content, you know, it came out of that open standard RSS originally, you yeah. know, this notion that anyone could get here and do it. But the, but the reality now is to, to break through is far, far harder because you've got large brands, big, you know, big names. Those are the people that break into the top 10. Usually, of course, you could look at stuff like, you know, there are some breakout hits like Call of Daddy is huge. Yeah. Um, 
but then again, that that is a product of coming out of Barstool, which is a you know a a, 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 a pretty um, large traffic site in the US. You know, it it came out from underneath that umbrella, there's, and then becomes the umbrella of Spotify. Yeah, and another the obvious other one to go for is something like the Daily from the New York Times, which obviously has the backing of the New York Times, and therefore is always going to have some level of cut through if, if that's your branding and that's what you're associated with things like that have started relatively near another one that um actually that comes to me is because uh, well, i've just been listening to it recently actually is the high performance podcast which topped the charts in the uk recently it has all sorts of big names sports stars and business leaders it's yeah, even had jimmy carr on it recently the comedian so and that's by a British presenter here called Jake Humphrey and a, um, a leading psych- a psychologist as well called Damien Hughes. And that talks, you know, as the name suggests, it was about high performance and, you know, one of those kind of aspirational high achieving shows. And that started in February 2020. And I think before Christmas got to the top of the UK charts. So it is possible. Again, Jake Humphrey's quite well known broadcaster. Here, so obviously it has that kind of push. Um but I'm not as downbeat, I don't think, as this piece is in that good quality podcasting and audio content can't break through. I'm more confident that it can, I think, than this kind of piece. But I think there is an important issue around those walled gardens and who is deciding what gets seen and what gets heard. I think when the platform and the producer are the same, uh, are the same thing uh, in in. It, in the on in, in online it becomes harder for yes. for in, for independence and uh, you 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 know go towards a more monopoly environment i do think yeah i but i do think it still remains the case that uh as with anything it is possible as an independent producer of content i hate the word content but you know we're kind mm-hmm. of stuck with it now as an independent producer of material whatever it is you can still create something that you know but but it's a harder road and it it requires you know a lot more creativity than it would for someone who's already a big name from an established broadcaster yeah and obviously if if you're a big name you can bring in bigger guests um yeah and so on and so forth yeah so it's sort of self-fulfilling i you know i have new show have wonderful guests like you on nick so you know it's not all so not all about who you are and what you know is it no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, but I, I, the other element to this, which we've kind of touched on, but I think we need to take a deep dive into now, is Apple's role in all of this, of course. Um, now, Apple does a, has produced a couple of podcasts. There's a kind of Oprah Winfrey. There's the Oprah Winfrey uh, Book Club. There's a podcast there. Um, there's obviously now the John Stewart, the problem with John Stewart podcast. There was the line before that, which was its kind of attempt um, at a kind of serial type thing, and that's an that's really all an offshoot of TV Plus. Um, and Apple has also launched a subscription service as a way to help creators, podcasters make some money from their podcasts in the place where people actually listen to them. There's obviously different ways people can go about that at the moment with patreon and things like that i know lots of sub stackers are starting to use the podcast facilities there maybe you can talk to that mick as someone who runs a successful 
um, Substack newsletter. But so there, there's still these options, but Apple is obviously going to, I talked about this with kind of Jeff Gamet at the beginning of the year as we did a look ahead to 2022. Apple is obviously going to make a bigger play into podcasting this year, isn't it? And into audio in general. It must do. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't they? Wouldn't you? Especially after it, it, it kind of squandered the the position that it once held and allowed Spotify to, you know, really eat up a lot of that uh, that market and attention. It was um, it's interesting. It took it so long, really, um, because it was coming from a you know, relative position of strength to start off with. Um, yeah, in terms of people using Substack podcasting and things like that, yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't at the moment. I think that the interest, the, the thing as independence is you've got a, 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 an only so many hours in a day yeah. question. Um, and the the benefit of news, of newsletters is that the overheads are low. You know, yep. but once you start to get into audio, you know the overheads get bigger because you now, because of the scale of podcasting and because of the quality of the big shows, mm-hmm. you have to make you know this. You it doesn't matter, you can't really get away with saying, Well, my audio quality is not as good or my no. production isn't as good because I'm just this, you know, I'm just this one person because people have this expectation that all the shows they listen to are of a quality, you know, in terms of audio, in terms of production. And that's that's i think that's now there's a that's a, that's a quite a high step when you first start out if you want to make something that's that yeah it's is, the same you know. with youtube where you would think the barriers to entry are low but actually if it looks rubbish and grainy and not shot nicely people aren't really going to watch it yeah i think there are some places where you can still be a little more ragged around the edges i think that there's still possibilities on you know twitch i think still mm-hmm. because there's an immediacy like i yeah, i do a twitch show the production is you know pretty much non-existent but it it, it seems to work for people because there there's not you know there's this sort of sense of authenticity there still if you're doing a kind of talk show on twitch because people think oh well it's live streamed it's immediate or whatever um but again there it's increasingly yeah, TikTok, more and more people there, there's between the know. two there's very yeah. very highly produced stuff and much more spontaneous raggedy stuff as well on there but i think generally platforms end up uh moving toward you know more people the production values go up and up and up because um it's a you know it's a way of competing really uh the the other thing that springs to mind when I'm talking about this, and maybe I'm doing myself, uh, I, I'm mocking myself slightly here, is there's this slight, slight thing now that sort of everyone just, oh yeah, I've got a podcast. Because even though you say the barriers to entry have increased, they're still pretty low, really, if you have some relatively basic technology and tech savvy and knowledge. You can make a podcast. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that the barriers to entry aren't low. I'm saying that 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 in order that in order to you know build a, a decent audience, yes. you have to have a there's a level of quality required. Any anyone can virtually anyone can start a podcast. It's right. just whether it, if you want people to listen to it in a you know sustainably, then the barrier is a lot higher than it used to be. I, I think that's fair, and I but my sort of you know when I saw that number, there's three million podcasts on Spotify or whatever. It just makes me you know that classic thing of the guy who decides gets a mic and decides everyone needs to listen to their opinions um 
you know the rant you know just starting a podcast uh, it just I, I find it kind of um yeah it's quite intriguing I think the people it's become almost a cliche to have a podcast now yeah yeah definitely and the and then what goes with that cliche is that it's just you know um uh, a, 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 a x number of people talking about something right. for about an hour <laughs> you know you mean the, like two people blabbering on about podcasts for 25 minutes well yes to an extent <laughs> um but that's but the, the interesting thing i think is some um, one of the interesting things i think is you look at the the length of say a joe rogan episode right they are very long yeah some of them you know stretch towards three hours um and that works for that for him and you know with the level of guests he gets and with the the audience he's established but you get people who are have less interesting guests <laughs> and uh are, you know a less interesting format and still do podcasts that are like two hours long and you think you know you make like in this with this part you like you made you you made like uh you know a, an aesthetic choice to say we do about half an hour right which works you know because people go okay yes that's you, good I listeners can know. be rest assured and Mick can frankly be rest assured that this episode will not last three hours. Yeah, um, and I think maybe one of the one of the things with podcasting that that maybe is missing when people talk about some of these bigger hits, like like you're talking about Serial or This American Life, for instance. Well, This American Life is a is a radio show and is a radio show for you know many many years before it yes. came a podcast, and really is kind of the. Um, almost the grandparent of a lot of the more structured formatted shows that came after it in terms of creating that tone of storytelling and you Um, mentioned the bbc before um here in the uk although i think you, you can get lots of that content around the world um and the bbc has obviously gone in a very similar direction there are formats that are unique to bbc and bbc sounds like they're available on other podcast platforms, but they're branded BBC sounds. Um, I'm thinking of some of the things that James, a- the comedian James Acaster does and things like that. There's loads, there's sports shows, all sorts of things. Um, and that, that's all, and some of them are broadcast on the BBC's various radio stations as well at different points. And lots of the radio shows become podcasts. And is, so for organisations like that, in the way you're describing with things like This American Life, there's the NPR examples, uh, that line between radio and podcast has been blurred as so to be completely meaningless, hasn't it, really? Yeah, I think maybe there was a time, there was a time when when there was a, an aesthetic difference. Yes. Uh, and I think very often that isn't there anymore. And it's quite... In, and it's interesting because when the BBC does broadcast... Uh, things that were created first as podcasts and then puts them on the radio. Occasionally you can feel that cultural and aesthetic difference somewhat. Yes, um, I agree. Because they they sort of stick out in odd ways in kind of, um, uh, you know, kind of they're kind of there's a sort of angularness to them within a within a broadcast radio schedule where you're like, oh, interesting. This was definitely built as a podcast and then put in here. Uh, it just feels somehow strange. Um, but I, yeah, well, I think um, it's almost, yeah, the line is almost gone, isn't it, really? The line is almost yes. gone. Yes, I think so. Uh, I will be very interested to see the moves Apple makes in terms of original podcasting. Um, we've seen a little bit of 
con- you know, the John Stewart show, the problem with John Stewart has thrown up little moments of controversy actually on the podcast, not the TV show itself, which has been quite interesting to watch how everyone kind of got wound up and then walked back down again and he kind of calmed it all down. Um, you know, if you go into a newsy space, you're going to be hit by that kind of controversy. I wonder if they want to do that. You know, with the line, they did actually break some news. Um with the final episode of the line originally, which is always interesting. Um, sure, as we said earlier, I'm sure we're going to see more kind of original podcasting and that kind of move from Apple, and that will be very interested to see. I think um, I, I can't I, I, I can't see Apple being willing to go as far into the controversial space as Spotify has no. been. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan has frequently been platforming people who uh, are, you know, um, very far on the edge. Joe, Joe Rogan, you know, has has had Alex Jones on his show multiple times, has had COVID deniers on his show multiple times. Um, and in a way that I think it's unlikely that Apple would be... Uh, uh, you know, keen to have a figure like him as much as the numbers are amazing. I think, I think that's that a really interesting a big point. cultural Let, difference. Yeah, I, I think we should take away the, if you take away even the personality of, of you know, we've mentioned Joe Rogan lots of times, but there are lots of other quite punchy podcasts that tackle all sorts of issues. Um, and yes, maybe in some cases it's a relief to Apple that they're an exclusive somewhere else. Mm. And they don't have to make any kind of curated curatorial or editorial decisions. Um, I should mention that actually I was wrong about the Jimmy Carr episode. It's actually on the diary of a CEO with Stephen Barlow, which is another, I would argue, breakout hit by most standards. Um, yeah, interestingly, the interesting one with the, the, the diary of CEO, CEO um, uh, Barlow ended up becoming quite a big UK news story because mm. of a appearance by a... Um, love island contestant yes that got was clipped out and then that became that became a multi-day story yeah um, that was a weird one but let's not try and explain love island to various listeners let's not do that the us are the us are familiar with love island unfortunately um, <laughs> i'm not explaining molly may to my list i just can't do it no. um, yeah look it up look it up if you want <laughs> see if you can unpick it it was a fun one um i'm gonna put you on the spot before we end this show uh what are your favorite podcasts that you're listening to now uh well um i mentioned one which is trash future which is Mm -hmm. uh, which is a um, british left left leftish uh podcast very interesting they cover a load of different stuff it's very interesting um there's a podcast about seinfeld called masters of our domain which i enjoy sorry Um, that is the most mick wright art i could have possibly imagined uh, which is good because it because one host has watched all of Seinfeld in the past. The other one is seeing it an episode as they go along. Oh, that's very um, good. I, I really like uh, when we're talking about the BBC and stuff that they take and turn into podcasts. Um, Mark Commode and, and Simon Mayo uh, are on yes. Radio Five Live on Fridays doing um, film show. They have a podcast version of that. It includes podcast only stuff it's very good it's one it's always near the top of the charts in the uk yeah. for that reason um 
you know, there's some, there's, there's, I like Adam Broxton. I like, there's one called Chart Music, which is literally, they watch old episodes, you know, British um, music show, Top of the Pops, and talk about it. <laughs> that is very long. That's like two, two and a half, three hour episodes oh sometimes. Goodness. But I, but I consume it in chunks, you yes. know, like it's very enjoyable, but it's sort of like a bath that you like get into and get out of. Um, so there's loads. I listen to loads, but um, yeah. I, all very Mick Wright type choices. No, they're, they're good. So uh, I'll chuck out a couple as well that I enjoy. Obviously, there's the Mac Observer shows, Daily Observations, Mac Geek Gab, Apple Content Machine, and so on, which you should all check out if you're not listening to those shows. Although, if you're listening to this one, I'm assuming you're aware of our other shows as well. Uh, a new show that I've really, really enjoyed that, you know, only launched in September last year is called This Is Critical by the uh, critic and cultural writer, uh, Virginia Heffernan. She's absolutely brilliant and had some brilliant guests on. Um, I obviously love Sway with Cara Swisher. Um, then um, I listened to, the, you know, as one might expect, some of the football podcasts. So the View from the Lane, which is the Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic, I'm a big fan of. Um, there's an interesting thing here as well of, you mentioned it in different contexts, but also offshoots of other you know, shows from other platforms. So there's the problem with John Stewart one from Apple, but you know, CNN's reliable sources, its media show has a podcast version and plays some of those interviews in the TV show. And then the whole audio version of the TV show is available as a podcast. Um, Fighting Talk, which is a quiz show from the BBC, that again, um, you know, they put that out with extra podcast content as you were discussing with another BBC show. So th- there's a lot out there. Actually, I'll chuck in another new um, football podcast that I listen to, which is called Hometown Glory, which is an independent show about Tottenham Hotspur as well. So there's a lot out there, depending, as you can see, depending on, you know, your various likes and passions. Um, I guess only a couple of those would be considered huge breakouts, but maybe that's the point of podcasting, you know. Lots of different I, I think what, you can yeah, find... I, the voices that um, are of interest to you, you know, don't always have to agree with what you're listening to, but, you know, it's a different kind of approach to things and it gives you variety. And I, you know, variety is the spice of life, isn't it? There's a reason there's three million shows out there. Well, definitely. And I think actually the mention of um, talking about the athletics podcast is is just an interesting one to kind of um, come come out at the end is that that's really interesting what they've done with specific podcasts for um specific teams because yeah. i listen to on the ball which is the norwich city athletic podcast i'm so um, sorry i know well what can you do but i support norwich city because you know that's just where i was born grew up so there you are um but it's really interesting the way the athletic uses podcasts and yes. uh because they are not about making huge numbers they're about you know they're about this suite of content around a particular team Absolutely. so that you know and and it's a really interesting model with the way that they have these reporters for each team uh, they do the same in the US with uh, you know with the NFL NBA um and of course now they're owned by New York Times so it'd be interesting to see how these podcasts fit into that culture at the New York Times um but I think they're really interesting because they don't need to make they're not about making huge numbers they're about saying to subscribers to the athletic here you go we cover your team in tons of different ways we give you news we give you analysis we give you uh talk about them you you can you know consume everything you could possibly want about but yeah absolutely um well 
we're not going to, as I said, we're not going to do a three-hour episode, so we'll round off here. Mick Wright, thank you for joining me in the metaverse of podcasting about podcasts. And um, I hope listeners have picked up some recommendations for other stuff to listen to apart from this show. If you think people will enjoy this show, please share it with them, encourage them to subscribe. Mick, where can people keep up with you and your work? Uh, just follow me on Twitter, at Broken Bottle Boy, and you can find everything. It just, it just emerges there usually. More McWright than you could ever need. I'm at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter and obviously at the MacObserver.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.